Lovely to be with you again and on an Advent Sunday, and we're going to read this morning from Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Amen, and the Lord bless His Word to our hearts this morning. There's a well-known seasonal song which says it's a most wonderful time of the year, and so it is. It's a magical time. I don't know about you, but I love Christmas season. I love it all. The putting up of the Christmas tree, the preparations for Christmas, the getting of the presents and the wrapping them and the sending of the cards and the carols singing and just everything there. And also the reminder of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world as God's supreme gift to each one of us. It's a tremendous time of the year. But I do wonder sometimes how much of the Christmas message is obscured by the other things that we've added on to Christmas. The early New Testament church, you know, didn't celebrate Christmas at all. It wasn't until the 4th century AD that the church actually began to officially celebrate Christmas. Uh, and it was in 357 sorry, 354, that uh, Bishop of Rome, Liberius, declared that December the 25th was the right date for the church to celebrate Christmas. And so the Western church has celebrated Christmas in that date ever since, but <laughs> as usual with the church, there was part of the church didn't agree with that. And the Eastern church said, no, it's not December the 25th, it's January the 6th. And it's still the same today. We're celebrating December 25th, but the Eastern Church uh, celebrates it on January the 6th. It's not the date that matters. 
It's the actual fact that we stop at a point in our calendar and remember that at a specific point in time, God stepped into human history in the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's really important about this gift of Christmas, this time of Christmas, this celebration of Christmas. And mind you, Oliver Cromwell and the Puritans banned it. They called it a pagan celebration, but I'm glad that it's been reinstated uh, because uh, it's just a wonderful time, and I love it. I love Christmas time. But the real message often has to fight to be heard above all the other things that are going on around Christmas time. A church newsletter suggested the following 10 commandments that should be obeyed so we can really make the most of this season. The first commandment, thou shalt not leave Christ out of Christmas, making it Xmas. To some, X is unknown. Number two, thou shalt prepare thy soul for Christmas. Spend not so much on gifts that thy soul is forgotten. Commandment three, thou shalt not let Santa Claus replace Christ, thus robbing the day of its spiritual reality. Commandment four, thou shalt not burden the shop girl, the postman, and the merchant with complaints and demands. Five, thou shalt give thyself with thy gift. This will increase its value a hundredfold, and he who receiveth it shall treasure it forever. Number six, thou shalt not value gifts received by their cost. Even the least expensive may signify love, and that is more priceless than silver or gold. Seven, thou shalt not neglect the needy. Share thy blessings with many who will go hungry and cold unless thou art generous. Eight, thou shalt not neglect thy church. Its services highlight the true meaning of the season. Nine, thou shalt be as a little child, not until thou hast become in spirit as a little one art thou ready to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And ten, thou shalt give thy heart to Christ. Let him be at the top of thy Christmas list. Interesting thoughts. And you know, if we took the, the spirit behind all of that and applied it, Christmas would indeed be a very special time for each of us, spiritually speaking. And as Christians, we really do need to keep the message of Christmas clearly in focus so that it's not obscured and so that we are able to sound it out to others who are struggling to hear. First of all, we have to remind ourselves, Christmas shows us God's purpose. When the birth of Jesus was announced to Joseph, the angel said this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." God's purpose in that very first Christmas event was to send us a son. 
Christmas is about the miracle of God reaching out to people in all their need by sending His one and only Son to earth. The light of hope came into the darkness of our sin and despair when divinity became humanity and when the immortal God became mortal. John Stott said this, He who was really God became really and truly man. Because He became man, we can understand Him, for we see Him in the human context with which we are familiar. Because He is also God, however, what we see within His humanity is nothing less than a disclosure of the being and purpose of God. The child whose birth we celebrate this season came as God's perfect solution to our sin problem. As Hebrews 1 and 1 says, long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God has made Himself known in Jesus. God has communicated with us through Jesus. And that's why Isaiah got so excited when he thought about the Messiah coming into the world, when he reflected on light coming into our darkness in Isaiah 9-6, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. When Jesus came to earth, God gave us heaven's best. Jesus is God's special gift to you and me, that through that gift, we might be forgiven our sins and reconciled to God once more, as we will remember in this celebration and this feast that we will share in at the end of the service. God didn't just send a son, He sent a Savior. He will save His people from their sins, said the angel. Man didn't need another fine example to inspire him to live a better, more godly life. Man didn't need another excellent teacher to instruct him how to live a better, more godly life. Man needed a Savior who would make it practically possible for him to live a better, more godly life. And that Savior is Jesus. He lived the perfect, sinless life on earth that you and I could not live. He died a sacrificial death on the cross, taking our place, bearing our punishment, so that we might be forgiven our sins. The baby who was born that very first Christmas is good news from God to every person. The angel says, this is good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And the birth of a Savior confirms that God wants us to experience His loving favor, not His righteous wrath. God does not want us to be condemned. He wants us to be saved and forgiven that we might enjoy life with Him in all its fullness. John 3.17 says, 
God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. And Peter reminds us in Acts 4.12, there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So, God at Christmas, in that Christmas event, reveals to us His purpose. He sent His Son to be our Savior. Christmas also shows us God's promise. Luke 1, 31 to 33, Gabriel said, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Marvelous promise that the angel gives to Mary. And it's the promise of a seed, a promise that was first given way back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 and verse 15, when God said to Satan, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring, the Hebrew word is seed, and her offspring, seed. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. In the titanic struggle between good and evil for the souls of men, God gave the promise way back there at the beginning, at the fall, that the Messiah would come, and that good would triumph over evil, and God would triumph over Satan. The promised seed would be victorious by crushing Satan. Isaiah 11 one says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch, bearing fruit from the old root, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Promise given also through Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23, verse 5, The time is coming when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line, he will be a king who rules with wisdom. And when Jesus was born, He came from the line of David. He is the promised seed from way back there in Genesis. And that's why Gabriel said to Mary, He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give Him the throne of His ancestor David and He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And so, the promise is not only a seed, but a scepter. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. When Jacob the patriarch blessed his sons shortly before he died, he said this to Judah in Genesis 49. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. He washes his clothes in wine, 
his robes in the blood of grapes. Now, that vivid imagery communicates a huge amount to us about the one who comes to wield the scepter and to reign. The promise partially fulfilled in David is completely fulfilled in Jesus, born of David's line. The one who holds the scepter of divine authority is robed in garments of righteousness that have been washed in blood. The hand that now holds the divine scepter, those hands were nailed to a cross. The head that is now crowned with glory in heaven once bore the thorns, the crown of thorns, on earth. In Isaiah 63, the prophet sees a man coming from a hostile world at war with God, and he enters into a conversation with him, Isaiah 63, 1 to 5. Who is this, he asks, who comes from Edom, from the city of Bosra, with his clothing stained red? Who is this in royal robes, marching in his great strength? The answer comes, it is I, the Lord announcing your salvation. It is I, the Lord, who has the power to save. And so the prophet asks again, why are your clothes so red as if you have been treading out the grapes? And the reply comes, I have been treading the winepress alone. No one was there to help me. Let me take you back to Genesis 49, the promise of the Messiah who would come to reign. He washes his clothes in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. The baby of Bethlehem, whose coming we celebrate at this time of the year, came to be the Christ of Calvary. The cross became the coronation of the King. Only He could make that perfect sacrifice that would bring peace to the troubled, hope to the hopeless, joy to the sad, forgiveness to the guilty. Jesus, who is now seated at the right hand of God, holding the scepter of divine authority and power, will one day return to earth. At His first coming, He came to save. At His second coming, He comes to reign. He comes to inaugurate the kingdom of God. Revelation chapter 19, 13 gives us the picture, picture of Christ the victor who destroys Satan and the hosts of evil. And it says there, He wore a robe dipped in blood, and His title was the Word of God. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, 
King of all kings and Lord of all lords. The Jesus whose coming we celebrate is the Jesus who is coming again, who will destroy Satan and finally put away sin and establish his reign of peace and righteousness over the cosmos. God's promise in the seed and the scepter will then be fulfilled. Johnny Erickson Tada writes this, On this side of eternity, Christmas is still a promise. Yes, the Savior has come, and with Him peace on earth, but the story is not finished. Yes, there is peace in our hearts, but we long for peace in the world. Every Christmas is still a turning of the page until Jesus returns. Angels hovering over treetops may have heralded His birth in the Bethlehem night, but one day they will herald the, the dawning of a new day. The glow of each candle is but a flicker compared to the light by which the nations will walk and the kings of earth will bring their splendor. What a glorious picture that is. A wonderful, wonderful picture. And it speaks to us of God's promise in a seed and a scepter. And finally, Christmas shows us God's presence. Rather than turning away from us because of our sin as we deserve, God turns Himself towards us. Christmas is all about God coming to us right down to where we are so that we might know His presence in a very special way. And His presence is confirmed by two special signs. First of all, a virgin birth. Isaiah 7:14. The Lord Himself will give you the sign. Luke, the virgin will conceive. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That verse echoed in the passage we read in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. The birth of Jesus was a dramatic sign that God has come near to us. Because Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, He was fully God. Because He was born of the Virgin Mary, He was also fully human. Jesus, the God-man, who came to be the perfect mediator between the Creator and His sinful, rebellious creation. And by sharing our humanity, Jesus exposed Himself to the weakness to the failure, pain, and suffering that we experience because of our sin. And because of His divine purity, He was able to defeat the power of sin and break its stranglehold on men and women at the cross. And that Jesus, the God-man, Emmanuel, God with us, 
reminds us, in the words of Hebrews 13, 5, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Christmas speaks to us of God's presence. He is here, right with us. Not only a humble, a, a virgin birth, but also a humble birth. When He, the Son of God, became man and was born at Bethlehem, His coming was not announced to the rich and famous, but to the poor and to the ordinary. The angel said to the shepherd, you'll recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. These very ordinary people were the first people to worship at the feet of the Savior of the world. He could have been born in a palace, but he was born in a stable. He could have been born in prominence, but he was born in obscurity. He could have been born into wealth, but he was born into poverty. For it was to ordinary, everyday people like you and me that Jesus came. One of my favorite carols at Christmas time says, Thou who wast rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake became poor. Thrones for a manger did surrender, sapphire paved courts for stable bear. Thou who wast rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake, becamest poor. Christmas reveals to us God's purpose, God's promise, God's presence, Emmanuel, God with us. Amidst all the other lovely things that we enjoy about Christmas, Let's not miss out on its real message. Amen.